Please pray with me. God, open our ears to hear your new word for us today. Open our eyes to see your new vision. Open our hearts to the Holy Spirit in our midst, awakening us to your world of abundance. Amen. A reading from the book of Matthew. Pray then like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Give us this day our daily bread. This prayer takes us to our kitchen tables, maybe to the table you are sitting at right now, perhaps to the table you sat at as a child. I think it takes us to our kitchen tables because if there were ever two prayers we heard or said the most in our lives, one would be the Lord's Prayer and the other would be your family's table blessing. For me growing up, it was God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food. By thy hands we all are fed, thank you, Lord, for daily bread. As far back as I can remember, that is what we said at our kitchen table before dinner. Sometimes it was prayed together, but most often it was led by a single person. The duty would always fall to the youngest person at the table who had these words memorized. When the time came, my older sister was more than happy to hand off that responsibility when I came of age. And several years later, I was more than happy to hand the responsibility off to my younger sister, who was then stuck with the job in perpetuity. Reflecting on that table blessing, it has become obvious that for so many years, sitting at our family's kitchen table, those words were not so much prayed as they were recited, monotone, rapid, automatic. It's the issue with those prayers that we know all too well. It's said that familiarity breeds contempt, but here I would say that familiarity breeds mindlessness. We just don't often think about the words that we are saying. Instead of savoring each syllable, we let them fly from our lips without even noticing the flavor. It can become an automated response. Much like when someone asks, how are you doing? You say, I'm fine. Or when the clerk at the grocery store says, have a nice day, you respond with one word, thanks you too. The great thing about a sermon series on something that is so well known is that we are afforded a chance to awaken, <clears throat> to wake up and see the deep beauty overshadowed by the, by the familiarity. So what, my friends, can we experience through mindfully praying this request for sustenance? Give us this day our daily bread. <clears throat> praying this mindfully we might pause on the word daily. And as it happens, it's pretty important 
The word translated as daily appears only once in Matthew and only once in Luke, each time within the Lord's Prayer. And its true meaning cannot be contained simply with our understanding of daily. Its true meaning encompasses the necessary, the continuous, for today and for tomorrow, enough for today with the assurance that there will be enough for tomorrow as well. Daily is reminiscent of manna, the bread from heaven that fed the Israelites as they journeyed towards the promised land. It was a daily gift of God of which they were told to collect only what was needed for that day. Collect more than what was needed and the next day the remainder is molded and ruined. Daily is a lesson in trust that what is provided for today will be there again tomorrow. Give us this day our daily bread. Praying this mindfully, being intensely aware in mind and body, the next simple word, bread, carries with it all of those shared meals at table with Jesus. Shared meals with Jesus during his life, before his death, after his resurrection. This is the bread that feeds the 5,000. This is the crumbs for which the Syrophoenician woman begs. This is the broken bread in the upper room and on the road to Emmaus. Notably, in Aramaic, the language that Jesus spoke and the one that is organized in a poetical system allowing for all of these different layers of meaning, the word bread also means understanding. So not only is it the bread that feeds the 5,000, it's the understanding of how sustenance can be shared. Not only is it the bread begged for by the oppressed, it's the understanding of those biases that we carry with us each and every day. Not only is it the bread that is broken in sacrament, it's the new understanding, the new vision of the ones with whom we break bread. Bread. Our daily bread has the power to do that. Give us this day our daily bread. In January of 2010, as part of a seminary class exploring alternative contexts to our own, I traveled with classmates to Kingston, Jamaica for a cultural, social, and religious immersion experience. There in Jamaica, we worshiped in local churches. We visited orphanages, hospitals, schools, and a prison. Now, we, this group of students, we were a predominantly white group who had rarely, if ever, been in a place where our race placed us in the minority. It was an experience of growth through the stretching of comfort zones, and that stretching was most felt, most of all felt on that day in the prison. We had plenty of conversations about what to expect as we arrived at the prison. We were told beforehand what kind of shoes to wear, what kind of clothes to wear so that we wouldn't stand out. And we looked around at each other wondering how it was that our clothing was going to be our most distinctive feature. The prison, once we arrive, we look and it's dated far back into the days of the British colony. 
prison, the walls concealed 1,300 men, 30-foot-high stone walls topped with razor wire. The feeling of disorientation was immediate upon going through the huge steel doors. Noise came at us from every direction. Prisoners yelling at us, trying to get our attention, some doing so through means of intimidation, others being really chill and giving us handshakes and throwing fist bumps. The disorientation of the location and the loss of security, either real or perceived, kept us in this tight grouping as we moved throughout the facility. We went through various offices and sections of the prison, exercise areas, a small library, a chapel, and at last arrived at the bakery to see men tasked with providing the daily bread, not only for those at that facility, but for the 4,000-some-odd prisoners incarcerated across the island as well. The heat from the ovens is stifling and the air humid and heavy. About eight guys stand at their tables working giant mounds of dough. We stand there watching these really big guys because you had to have some serious bulk to take on this job. We watch them knead and turn and pound their dough. And as we stand there, we listen to the guards going on and on about how delicious this bread is. After several more sweltering and anxious moments, we turn to leave. And as we turn, one of the prisoners, a guy named Joe, who towers over everyone in the room, stops and asks, do you want to try our bread? Now, we're not sure if that's allowed, but we're not about to question Joe. But even before we could answer, Joe already has a couple of guys opening the doors to the oven. The door comes open, and we are hit with this new blast of heat from 30 feet away. Three guys pick up this 20-foot-long wooden paddle and begin to pull out trays of bread. They're pulling out trays from this 400-degree oven, and Joe is taking them and tapping the top of each loaf, searching for that perfect one. Three trays come out that are not up to his standard, and he's flinging them back into the oven. Finally, he points to the far back corner and says, bring me that one. So the three guys drag this tray out from the back corner of the oven, and they throw it down on the table. And with his bare hands, Joe picks up this beautiful loaf of steaming bread and tears it apart and moves down the line of seminary students allowing each of us to tear off a piece of this most delicious bread. So in the sweltering bakery, in the middle of a 300-year-old Jamaican prison, served by the biggest dude we'd ever seen in person, we found ourselves at table. As we left the bakery and walked back into the fresh air and sunshine, we realized that our vision had changed. The anxiety we carried was loosened and that God had given us what was necessary, bread and new understanding for that day, which assured us into the next. Give us this day our daily bread. Seven words that are spoken each and every time we gather for worship. Seven words that we have said without much thought, knowing that our pantries were full and bank accounts healthy. 
Seven words uttered with the mistaken notion that this is a petition for our material needs. Seven words that take us out of our head and into our gut. John Dominic Crossan summarizes it as from bread and fish to bread and wine, from the life to the death of Jesus, from before to after the resurrection. It is always about God's food in God's world for God's people. All of that packed into this simple challenge of give us this day our daily bread. That challenge is for daily bread, daily justice, and daily challenging the injustices that keep people hungry. Hungry for bread, hungry for equity, a prisoner hungry to be seen as human, hungry to be free. Daily bread sends us on a journey for new understandings today, leading to the hope for tomorrow. Give us this day our daily bread. God, grant to us what is needed to survive and feed the vision that looks beyond subsistence to abundance. Give to us what is needed to understand how you may be working through us in these Kairos moments. And draw those of us that do not know true hunger to hunger for your justice. Amen.